Today, I want to talk to you out of 1 Peter chapter 3 with a message I've entitled, How Do You Respond When Life Hurts? How do you respond when life hurts? Speaking of hurt and suffering, because this message is a little bit heavy, I thought it would lighten it up just a little bit on the front end and revisit with our Cajun cousins, Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Can I have a big amen right there? We love them. One day, Thibodeau got off of work, the crawfish factory, and went down, saw Boudreaux. Boudreaux was, he walked up, Boudreaux was painting his house. Boudreaux literally had two big hunting jackets on. It was a hot, hot summer day, July, South Louisiana, 100 degrees in the shade. How many know what I'm talking about? And it was 100% humidity. It was real hot. Thibodeau walks up and says, Boudreaux, what are you doing, man? You're wearing two jackets painting that house. He says, man. Michelle, haven't you read on the can right here for best results? Put on two coats. <laughs> if you didn't like that, you're not Cajun. You're from Iowa <laughs> or Idaho. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. How many are ready to jump in the Bible today? Say yes. yes. All right. Here we go. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Today, I want to talk to you about how do we respond when life hurts. The truth is life is painful. It was painful for them 2,000 years ago. It's painful for us today. Sure, there's times of joy and moments of grace and power. It's exciting. But there's also the complexities of life. There's relationship shifts. There's challenges with kids. There's challenges with job situations. And when that happens, we, we get impacted by that. Emotionally, we get impacted. Psychologically, every area we get impacted. And when life is painful, watch what happens is progression. When life is painful, here, here's what takes place. We experience pain. And when we experience what? There was a disappointment. Things didn't work out the way that I thought. Man, I was expecting. I was hopeful. But man, there was a shift. There was a turn. So there's, there's pain, acute pain. Sometimes it's sharper, but it, but it hurts you. When you experience pain... There's often a sense of embarrassment. Man, I should have been further along. I, I, I can't believe this. And their kids are doing fine. What's wrong with mine? And their marriage is great. By the way, everybody's got challenges. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody's got challenges. But the devil specializes in pointing out, you're the only one. One, one. So there's pain. Everyone say pain. Then you feel ashamed. You feel ashamed that you're actually experiencing, going through. Now watch the next step here. Here's the next step. And I put a graph up there. There's a next step that we, we have to fight against taking. And that is we isolate. Why do we isolate? Why do we cut ourselves off from people? The reason why is we're attempting to protect ourselves from further pain, but we don't realize we actually imprison ourselves in pain. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be in small group because they're going to ask me how I'm doing. I'm not doing. No, no, no. That's when you have. So we've got to fight isolation and stay in the game. The same challenges 2,000 years ago are the same challenges today. Peter teaches this first century church because they were experiencing pain and the tendency to want to isolate. And he says, you got to fight that isolation. First Peter chapter Three, I want to read today verses 8 through 9, and then I'm going to give you three ways that Peter would teach us how to respond when life hurts. Here we go. Verse 8. 
Finally, all of you be of one mind. Everyone say one mind. Here's what he would say right off the bat. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another and love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil. We're going to talk about that. Or reviling for reviling. That means to scorn. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he would love life and see good days. I'm going to pause there for a moment. How many of you guys would say, I, I, I would say this, that, Pastor, I want to have a good life. I want to experience good days. I, I want to wake up in the morning with a zeal for life. I want to, quote, wake up and get out of bed and make it a good day, not just have a good day. I don't want to just live reactionary, but I want to be proactive. I, I want to experience, I want to love life. Peter talks about that. How do you love life? And have good days, he talks about how we can experience that. He said, if that's what you want, let that person refrain their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Everyone say, do good. They've got to do good. We're going to talk about the power of doing good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord, God has eyes, and they're on the righteous, and he's got ears. And they're open to the prayers of his people. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Today I want to talk to you three ways right here. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to go verse by verse. How do you respond when life hurts? Remember, pain produces a feeling of shame and embarrassment. And then there's that temptation to isolate. And when we isolate, we think that we're walling people off so that we won't get further hurt, but we actually imprison ourselves in the hurt. Peter addresses that. Number one, the first thing that Peter would say is that when life is hurting, when you're going through a tough time, number one, above all else, stay relationally connected with others. He says, be of one mind. What did that speak of? Say connected in relationship. Don't cut yourself off. Pastor, you don't know what happened to me. And man, I, I, you know, this relationship didn't turn out the way I thought. I'm just so embarrassed. I, I look at my friends and everything so, seems so great in their life. Everything seems so great with their kids. Everything seems so great with their job. And, and it's like, what's wrong with me? And I, I'm embarrassed by that. And I don't want anybody, if I show up at church or small group or if I see people, they're going to ask me, how's it going? I'm going to have to put on a fake smile. And so I'm just going to isolate. Peter would say, fight against that. Stay connected. Don't cut yourself off from the body of Christ. Stay unified. Stay of one mind. Fight isolation. Fight isolation. Christianity has become so individualized, particularly in the Western world. I live in the West, right? I, we, we understand the world, how it's divided. The Eastern world, primarily where the Bible was written, is an Eastern world. It's much more communal in their mindset, much more collective in their mindset. I appreciate the fact of my background that, that we believe that we can dream and believe God and accomplish anything. And yet, yet there is an overemphasis at times of individuating, individualization. And the Bible talks a lot about the body of Christ, that we need the body of Christ. I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about this concept. 
Jesus talks about it. Paul teaches all about it in the New Testament. Watch this. The body of Christ. He's the head, and we're the body. We're the body of Christ. The arm can't be cut off and function without the torso. Are you with me? In other words, the eye can't say, I don't have need of you, and the ear. Paul all talks about this, and yet we, we neglect and we isolate and we think, I can make it just me and Jesus. Eh, be careful. It's you and Jesus and the body of Christ together. Matter of fact, there's only two times it's just you and Jesus. When you get saved and when you stand before Jesus one day at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. But between when you get saved and the judgment seat of Christ, Christianity is a team sport. And you need one another. The problem is pain. You ever heard this? Divide and conquer. Pain is designed to divide you, to divide relationships and to conquer. You've seen it. You've heard the statistics where couples, they go through a tragedy, something happens, and the divorce rate. Why is that? Because instead of drawing close to one another in their pain, watch this, they attacked one another in the pain. If you'd have been closer to him, if you'd have helped out her, if you'd have done this, if you'd have stayed in the game with them, and, and if you wouldn't have done this, and if we wouldn't have let them drive, and if that, in other words, in other words, instead of drawing strength on one another in pain, they turn on one another in pain. My my wife and I are close to a great couple in our church, and they lost a child uh, at a young age uh, through sickness, cancer, and we believe in healing, we believe that God heals, and yet. Sometimes we pray and pray, and, and sometimes we won't know until we get to heaven. And we trust God, and, and this couple, they stayed in faith. And, and I, I tell you, I saw something in them that was just miraculous. I saw them draw closer to God and draw closer to one another in their pain. They didn't let pain divide them. They, let, they allowed pain to strengthen them. Everybody say, don't isolate. The enemy wants to isolate you. You go through marriage problems, the devil's going to whisper to you, lie to you. You're the only one. One. You're the only one that has a kid that has a problem. You're the, uh, that's not true. Peter says, stay together. Stay unified. Stay as one. Look at verse 8. Have compassion for one another. The word compassion in the original Greek means to suffer with. What is Peter saying? When people are going through pain... Extend compassion. Show sympathy with them. There's actually a step beyond compassion. It's been used more readily in the last probably 20 years, and it's the word empathy. Dr. Henry Cloud, who I love, I don't recommend a lot of speakers, authors, because invariably somebody's going to find something in a book. They say, oh, pastor, do you? I don't endorse anything 100% except the Bible, by the way. Even my messages are probably, you know, need to be corrected at some point, just not by you. But anyway, so... That was just a microaggression. Thought I'd share that. But I love Dr. Henry Cloud. He's amazing. He wrote a book a number of years ago called Boundaries. Phenomenal book. Here's what he says in that book. He said, empathy is the ability to enter another person's experience and connect with them in such a way that you actually experience to some degree what the other person is experiencing. What is the point there? Empathy says, I'm not going to just feel what you're feeling. I'm actually going to get into your world. By the way, that's a healing agent in a relationship. It goes two ways. When you're hurting, don't cut yourself off. And when you're around people that are hurting, try with the love of God to not allow themselves to do that. And one of the ways to do that is to empathize with them. I know it's a tough time. 
By the way, let me give you this. This is not in the notes. Three things about empathy. Number one, in relationship, healing in relationship. First thing, somebody's hurting, a spouse is hurting, empathize with them. I'm sorry you're hurting. Feel what they're feeling. Number two, then give perspective. And number three, then give the plan. The number one way, guys, I'm a guy, I can say this, all right? The number one ways guys mess up in their marriage relationships is when your wife is hurting, you want to give her perspective and the plan before you empathize. Y'all told me to say that, ladies. Y'all been waiting for years for me to say that. Is that any good? She do, guys, she doesn't want you to fix her. She wants you to feel with her. Am I getting extra credit for this? I'm working hard for you, lady. And let me tell you, I can tell you, I've tried to fix more things with my wife. She's like, I just wanted you to listen. I'm like, oh, that was easy. Listen. Everybody say empathy. Perspective, plan. Two things. Number one, when you're hurting and you're embarrassed by that, you want to isolate. Don't you isolate. And listen, number two, one of the ways to draw people out of isolation is to empathize with them. Peter says, stay connected. Stay connected at all costs. Look at this, verse 8. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. The word Philadelphia, love, phileo. What is he saying here? Don't neglect the body of Christ. Don't ne neglect godly relationships. That's why we promote small groups here. That's why we promote being in the house of God. Why? Because when we isolate, we all think crazy thoughts. I know I do. And I need the body of Christ. I need the body of Christ. We need the body. Well, what we do is when we're hurting, the very, I've seen people in restaurants and community, you know, I'm walking around, man, I ain't seen you guys in a while, Pastor. I'm just going through a tough time, and I just, I, wait, 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 wait. Don't isolate. Don't leave. Don't not go. This is double negative. Don't not. I know it's double negative. In other words, go to church when you're hurting. Go to small group when you're hurting. And by the way, if you're in church, don't judge people when they're hurting. Empathize and love people when they're hurting. But stay in the house of God. Stay connected. Everyone say, Stay connected. Fight isolation at all cost. That's what Peter would say. They're hurting. They want to isolate. He said, stay connected. But love is brothers. Help people. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. There's a step up here. Look at verse 9. Not returning evil for evil. Reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. I want to live in the blessing of God. The way I walk in the blessing is how I respond to people when they don't bless me. That's what Peter said. There is an art, what I would call a spiritual art, and a growth in our walk with Jesus and emotionally that when people hit us, how we respond is important. I've taught this principle for many years. Whenever you see in a relationship heat in a relationship, a reaction, guess what? There's hurt behind that heat. You ever been in a scenario with somebody and you do something to them and it's like at this level and they respond at this level? You're like, whoa, 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 what was up? Well, there's hurt in their life. One of the things that I believe Peter would teach us is we've got to learn when people hit us, we've got to learn how to absorb better. We've got to learn. I'm not talking about submitting to a toxic, abusive situation where you don't speak up and self-advocate. I'm not talking about that. I am suggesting that if your spouse is having a bad day, come on, you've got to be able to absorb that. Peter says, don't respond the way that you were hit. Don't hit back. Absorb. Matter of fact, respond in a different spirit. It says, respond 
by blessing. It's interesting when I begin to think about this. It's the Jesus principle. Jesus is teaching Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We know the inaugural sermon of our Lord where he's on the Mount of Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And he teaches this relational principle in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What would happen to our lives if we really lived like that? I think about it in my life when, when, when I've been hurt at times and injured at times. I tell you, it is very difficult to stay hurt with people if you'll pray for them consistently. And, and you know, there's times in my life it's like I'm praying for them, I'm praying for people, and I've had to actually, and I've done this, where I've had to actually give a gift to somebody to just get the hurt out of my heart. Now, if I give you a gift, it's not because you've hurt me. I just want to say that, maybe. But anyway, so... There's something about being proactive and walking in the grace of God. There's something about extending blessing that breaks the curse. When you respond in a different spirit. Yeah. Peter teaches us to respond in a different spirit. Jesus is teaching respond in a different spirit. I've, Jennifer and I started Church of the King 23 years ago. We were sent across the lake and for 23 years, I've said this statement. I want to say it to everybody at all of our locations, those that are watching online. Here it is. You guys ready? The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships with God and others. You all know, you can have millions and millions of dollars in the bank and assets, but if your relationships are a wreck, your life is a wreck. Why? Because peace in your soul comes from relationship with God and healthy relationship with others. Not perfect, but healthy. I'll say it again. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Let me give you the second principle. The quality of your relationships is often determined by what comes out of your mouth. Peter locates so much by the mouth. Look at verse 10. For he who would love life and seek good days. Let me pause right there. I used to, as a young pastor, I would ask lots of questions. I had people raise their hand all the time. I steward it down to only one, if any, per message. But this is a moment for me to ask a question. All of our locations, wherever you're watching, here it is. How many of you would like to say, I love my life and I want to live good, full days? How many of y'all would say that? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. If you haven't raised your hand, the prayer team's going to be here afterwards. Literally, we need to pray for you. Of course, we want to live life. Do you know, biblically, it's possible. It's encouraged to believe God that you can love your life, enjoy life. Let me say it that way, right? You can enjoy life. You can live good days. But how often have we ever located the outcome of that statement relegated to what comes out of our mouth? Whatsoever person sows, that shall they also reap. Are we sowing blessing? Are we sowing hope? Are we sowing encouragement? Yeah. Look at verse 11. I'm just going verse by verse. So y'all learn anything with this? Is this helping anybody? All right, here we go. Verse 11. Buckle up. Get ready. Get ready. Here we go. All right, I want to have, Pastor, I want to love life. I want to wake up with a zeal and a fire and a passion. I want to, I want to fulfill my days on the earth, have a long, fruitful life. Here it is. 
<clears throat> Watch what comes out of your mouth. Here's another thing. Look at verse 11. Then turn from evil, do good, ah, and let him seek peace and pursue it. What does it mean to seek peace? Did you guys back to the Sermon on the Mount? So the Sermon on the Mount is on the Mount of Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a section of the whole sermon. Okay, I've taught years ago through the Beatitudes. I think two or three years ago. You can go online and watch that. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are those, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. The word blessed means happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Okay, if you get down to the bottom, here it is. Blessed are the peacemakers. Hmm. What is the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker? Peter says, seek peace, pursue it. In other words, not be just a peacekeeper. We're not talking about that, but actually a peacemaker. What does it mean to make something? Let me give you the difference. A peacekeeper is somebody that avoids conflict to try to relieve tension. Just don't say anything. Well, you, know, you, know, you know how the uncle is? Just, we don't want to do anything. Just, uh, and, so, and they spend lots of plates, and they spend a lot of emotional energy, and they stay really adrenalized in public settings because they want to make sure that everybody's okay. I'm not advocating a lack of social decorum that we should somehow be adversarial with people. What I am saying is a peacekeeper just wants to keep peace and doesn't deal with issues. A peacemaker is willing to roll up their sleeves and deal with warring factious parties and bring them to the table and say, it's not who's right, it's what's right. And what's right is harmony in the kingdom of God. What's right in this family, what's right in this friendship is that we humble ourselves, that we serve one another, that we wash one another. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, just this week, just this week, I was in a situation, just this week, with, with people that are in my profession, and I'm on the phone with this guy and trying to reconcile this relationship. Now, my wife was with me in the car, and she didn't hear the other person. I said, how did I do? She goes, you did pretty good. Of course, I don't know what he was saying. But I was fighting and contending for peace. I was like, time out. You need to humble yourself. You're not right in everything, and they're not right in everything. Come on. For the kingdom of God's sake, let's make peace. Let's make peace. Number one, Pastor Steve, I'm going through a hard day. I'm in a hard season in my life. Fight isolation. Stay connected to the body of Christ. Number two, the second thing, which is a counterintuitive line that I put, live confidently. How do I live confidently and yet I'm going through a hard time? I'm going to teach you. Peter teaches us. Verse 13 to 17, here's what he says. He would, he, and who is and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if we should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. People are going to threaten you. Just don't freak out by that. But sanctify, set apart. It means to set apart the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give it a defense. There's time to walk, 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 but it gives you a platform to finally talk. Be ready. He says, be ready to give an offense. Why? For the hope to everyone who asks you 
a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness. Now, Peter, this is very interesting here. He begins to shift some things. He says, all right, here's the bottom line. You're hurting in life. Number one, don't isolate. Pain, shame, isolation. First point, stay connected to the body of Christ. Healing comes through relationship with God and staying connected with the body of Christ. Everybody's going through something. Don't isolate. Don't let the devil lie to you. Number two, learn to live counterintuitively. Watch this. When you're hurting, Peter would say, find someone else that's actually hurting more and help them. In other words, one of the ways out of prison is be ready to give a defense. In other words, be ready to share what God's done in your life. In other words, pastor, I'm hurting. How do I get out of the hurt? Find somebody that's hurting worse. But pastor, you don't understand. I'm really hurting. Then find somebody that's really, really hurting. No, pastor, I've got problems. I can't help people. Then find somebody with a lot of problems. Well, I've got a lot of problems. Find somebody with mega a lot problems. In other words, there's always somebody out there. What, do, what, do, what is the Bible trying to do? The Bible is trying to take your eyes off of you. Because let me tell you what the enemy strategy is to immobilize you. To neutralize, I'm trying to help somebody right now. To neutralize you in prison, to immobilize you, and to just make you non-effective. How do you get out of that? Be ready to, give, to, to share what God's done in your life with other people. Giving your testimony of what God's done in the past actually gives you power for what God can do in the present. By the way, in your life and in those that are listening to you. Matter of fact, John, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, here's what he said. Talk about how to overcome, how to make it through a bad day. One, don't isolate. Stay in the house of God. Stay connected to small group. Stay connected to God. Number two, use your tongue, not for evil, but he flips it, counterintuitively speaking, not just, we're not just not, double negative, doing bad, but we're actually doing good. How do I do that? Declare what Christ has done in your life. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This is helping somebody right here. Here's what he says. John says, and they overcame. They overcame him. Who's him? The devil. There's a real enemy that is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not fictitious. It's not mythology. It's in the Bible, and it's practically lived out on our earth today. If you deny the presence of evil, then you're just denying reality. Is a real devil. But we can overcome the devil two ways, by the blood of the lamb and by the what? Say it, the word of our what? Say it, testimony. You know what a testimony is? I was tested, but I've got a story to say because I overcame that because God's done something in my heart. He'll do it again. Oh, I used to be that way. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. In other words, the more you tell what God has done in your life, it gives you faith and it helps the person that you're talking to. It helps them. All right, here we go. Here we go. We're, we're over here in isolation again, all right? How do I get out of isolation? Number one, fight it. Stay connected to the body of Christ. And if somebody you know is in isolation, empathize, love them, and love them out of that place. Number two, use your mouth not to do evil, but to do good by declaring what God's done. In your life, go, well, pastor, I've got so many problems. He hasn't done anything. He saved your soul. How about let's start there? He saved your soul. He washed you. He cleansed you. He made you new. By the way, we teach you how to give your testimony. And next steps, if you go to next steps, just 
Text the word next steps to 822-822. In step four, the fourth class, we teach you how to give your testimony. By the way, you want to know why I give my testimony every week? Two reasons. Not every week, but a lot in my messages. Two reasons. One, it's for you. And two, it's for me. I don't ever want to forget what it was like right before I came to Christ. I don't ever want to forget what it was like and how Christ saved me and delivered me and set me free. Help me out grateful for the power of Christ. Come on. God will do it in your life. He's done it in mine. All right, number three. Here it is. Number three. So number one, Pastor, how, how, do I, how do I make it through this? Number one, I've got to fight isolation. Number two, I've got to live confidently as I declare what God has done. By the way, let me give you one other scripture that's so important. The 16th verse, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you with good taunt, your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Do you know what I love about a good conscience? What is a good conscience? It's real simple when your beliefs and your behaviors are aligned. That, that's what a good conscience is. A duplicitous conscience is when your belief and behavior are incongruent. Nobody's perfect but Jesus, but we can definitely move towards congruency where what you really believe is what you really live. A couple, last week I was out of town and I had a GPS I was using. How many of y'all, what did we use before GPSs? <laughs> Maps. Stopped at gas stations, I don't know. And I had this GPS and I was, and, and I'd been to this, I was visiting, I was speaking in another state and when my wife was with me, and this lady, it's a lady on the GPS. Ladies, you do rule the world. You're on every GPS. Uh, I've never heard a male GPS. I just like to share that. Maybe there is. I've never seen it. Anyway, I heard. So I, I'd gone some way, and, I was, and, I, and so she, and she told me to turn right. And I'm like, that's not true. It's this way. And I started to argue with her. My wife says, you argue with all these ladies. But anyway, so... I'm just, that was, I added that. But anyway, so, so, so I thought I knew better than her. The fact is, I went the way directly opposite of what she told me to go. And what she was trying to save me was from a heartache, backup jam. She was trying to reroute me. Now, the good news is this. Even though I went the wrong way, everybody say wrong way. She still rerouted me to get me back on track. How many are grateful that even when we go the wrong way, God can reroute us and get us back on track? God can do That's just because of his grace. Because he loves you and cares about you. Man, I'm glad God didn't kill me the first time I made a mistake. Thank God. All right. Number one, fight isolation. Number two, proactively use your tongue not to speak evil, but to declare what God has done. It breaks you out of prison. Number three. Embrace Jesus' suffering and his resurrection. Look at verse 17 and 18 as I close. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just, Jesus was just. He had never sinned. And he died for the unjust that you and I. The just the righteous died for the unrighteous. The just, Jesus Christ, died for the unjust, Steve Robinson. That he might bring us to God. The just died for the unjust. The righteous died for the unjust. This is the gospel. He who knew no sin 
became sin for us that we, the unjust, might become the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. Brought us to God. But watch this. Being put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the what? Say it. Spirit. I want to talk to you this last point. I think it's something that we forget. How do I make it through a bad day, Pastor? Number one, fight isolation. Number two, live on the offense with your tongue. Not speaking evil, but declaring what Christ has done in your life. It breaks you out of an emotional prison. It breaks you out. Find people that have worse problems than you. Help people. Pray for people. Care. For, it takes your eyes off yourself and it puts them on somebody else. But number three, I'll say this. Being put to death in the flesh, being made alive by the Spirit. I want to say a statement. I want everybody to hear me. I'm closing with this. Every location, those that are watching online. I think at times we have Christianity incomplete in our message. The foundation of our faith is the cross and the resurrection. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us once. He's not still dying. He died once. Everybody say once. Peter said once. Once. He died on Friday. But Christianity is actually a comeback faith. God specializes in comebacks. In other words, you, you guys that are, anybody that watches boxing or whatever, it's like they're down for the count. One, two, three, four. And they're down for the count. And right when it's about to be 10, that person gets up. Christianity is a comeback faith. Just when you think it's over, one and two and three. And the ref's about to go like this. By the way, that's where some people are right now. Maybe you feel like your marriage is there. Maybe you feel like a kid's there. Maybe you feel like your business, your health, whatever it is. And you hear that devil going one, two. But listen, Christianity is not just Good Friday. It's not just the cross. It starts there. The blood of Christ. He died in our place. He bore our sin. Watch this. But he was buried. And Friday was one. And Saturday was two. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Sunday, something's happening to that body. Something's happening to that marriage. Something's happening to that kid. Something's happening to that business. Wait a minute. Something, someone is going in that dead body. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus was made alive. Everybody say made alive. He was made alive by the Spirit. He died on the cross, but he was made alive by the Spirit. Why? Because God specializes in comebacks. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say, Pastor, how does this relate to me? I'll tell you how it does. If you're a Christian, the same spirit, oh, please don't miss this. Don't miss this, friends. The same spirit, the same spirit. Matter of fact, Paul said it this way, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. I'll read it. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, listen, listen. The same Spirit. I'm going to say same Spirit. The same Spirit on that Sunday morning. We're talking about comebacks here. One, two, three, four. And that's what the enemy does. But there's this, listen, God silences the wrath. Right when it's about to be ten, the same Spirit. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if you're a Christian, lives in you and will quicken or give life to your mortal body. Will breathe hope on your dream. Will breathe hope on that kid. Will breathe hope on that relationship. Will breathe hope and breathe life on that business. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and will give you life. Will give you life. Will give you life. What seems like it's died in your life? What seems like it's over? It's not over, it's just down. It's, it's down, but 10 hadn't been mentioned yet. The same spirit, that body. Oh, when they, wrote, when they ran to that tomb that morning, those ladies, he's alive. By the way, that's a testimony. It's a testimony. I still run into people today. I ran into somebody last night. You're fr- My friend went to high school with you. They can't believe that you're a Christian. This is like 30-something years ago. I think it's stuck. How many are grateful that Christ really does change us? He really does change us. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. I just sense the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is here right now. God is here right now. He loves you. God is not mad at you. Jesus cares for you. If you're watching whatever physical location you're at or whatever, you're watching online, YouTube, wherever it is, God is, he knows, God knows where you live. He knows your address. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Being a member of a church can't save you. You ought to be a member, but that doesn't save you. Jesus saves. He's the one that died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day. And maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. This is your moment. Your moment is right now. In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are, maybe you're watching at home, wherever it is, the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. God is drawing you. No man comes to the Father lest the Spirit draws. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. Because Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. He rose again for you. It's all about having a relationship with you. If you say, Pastor, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not at peace with God. I'm not sure if I die today that I'm ready to stand before God. And I want to know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. If that's you at the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you right there. God bless you and you. God bless you up top. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you. God bless you way up the top. God bless you. God bless you guys. Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you guys right up there. The presence of God is here right now. Jesus loves you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Church family, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Right here, this moment, right now. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus. Come on. As their Savior. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God. 
taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Man, what a powerful message. And hey, we wanna take a minute right now to talk to those of you out there who are making the decision for the very first time to give your life to Jesus. We are so excited because we know that this is the biggest decision you could ever make. Right now, you are a new creation in Christ. Right now, your sins are forgiven. The old you is washed away. You are made brand new. But this isn't just a big decision. It's also a personal one. And I remember the first moment when I gave my life to Christ, I was 18 years old. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. Where do I go from here? And maybe you're out there and you feel the exact same way. You, you've made this decision, but now you're wondering what's next. Well, I would love to invite you to do me a small favor. If you made that decision today, let us know. You can let us know by following the information on the screen or in the chat room, but let us know that you made that decision and we would be so honored to walk alongside you in this new journey of following Jesus. Yes, and like Christian said, we are celebrating with you. And man, Christian, wasn't that a amazing message? So good, so good. It was so good. so good. And hey, we know it was a heavy one and we don't wanna rush by without giving you the opportunity of letting us know. Maybe you're walking through or thinking about some of the pain that you're going through right now. We want you to know that we are here with you as a church family and we would love nothing more than to stand with you in prayer. So would you let our hosts know in the chat room right now if we can pray for you? And ultimately, we wanna point you back to the one who can change everything and that is Jesus himself. Come on, it's so good. And hey, we just wanna say thank you again for joining us this, this week for part four of Out of Darkness. And we would love to see you back here next week for, for part five. It's gonna be so, so powerful. And so we'll see you same time. Same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.